Hello, and welcome to Popcorn for Breakfast. We are here today to bring you an incredible review of a movie called Driveaway Dolls. Let's talk. driving right into this movie review oh it's so cheesy don't let it drive away from you is this like your new thing now like because the last episode you sang yeah. and now there's going to be some sort of gimmick every time every coming. time Ugh. i need there to be some sort of attention getter that either uh solidifies people to us or makes them run away because i don't want a lukewarm listener running away could have definitely happened. They, so they thanks for have, that. <laughs> they might have turned it off immediately. <laughs> Probably. And if you're gone, we miss you. Come back. And if you're here, then you know us and you You've believe in the us. You've passed the test. That's right. That's the uh, the Rorschach test. I like it. I mean, I hate it, but I also like it. So thank you. <laughs> now every time we're going to be like, what is he going <laughs> yeah. to do? That's okay. I'm conditioned for that after 200 <sighs> something episodes. That's true. Almost 300, Cam. We're yes. getting there. We're getting there. And this episode comes at a very special time because we have now been granted the keys to the kingdom. We have been able to see a film before it hits theaters. That's right. We actually got to see a movie at a screening. So we're not behind the clock. We're always behind having to see the movies when they come out and then review them. But thanks in part to all of your support, we're now able to uh, see them ahead of time. And man, is that going to help a lot? That's right, because yeah. our recordings will happen way before. Uh, sometimes we actually see the movie and record immediately following. Yes. Those are some late nights. I don't recommend that. Uh, the recency bias is real, and the tiredness is also very real. Very real. Very real. Very real. And I'm so excited because this movie actually releases on February 23rd in theaters. This movie is called Driveaway Dolls, directed by Ethan Cohen, and only Ethan Cohen. Just Ethan. So- Ethan Cohen. That's crazy. The Cohen brother. Brother. Not brothers. So then the question is, is this addition by subtraction or just straight up subtraction? I don't know what that means. You know how like sometimes if you take something away, it actually makes the sum of the parts better Mm -hmm. because you took away a net negative. Has Joel Cohen been bringing down the group this whole time? Joel. Or is it the other way where Mm -hmm. you take Joel away and it's worse? Or is it neither? Is it just... Still feels like a Coen Brothers movie. We'll right. have to see. We'll have to see. Can they each do their own project and it still be fantastic, the same energy, the same likeness to everything you've seen before? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it. And this. Joel Cohen, if I remember correctly, directed a film by himself, yes. The Tragedy of Macbeth. And uh, I don't know off the top of my head if he had done any others solo, but I know that this is the very first solo venture mm-hmm. on a feature film by Ethan Cohen. And many of the Coen brothers films, Ethan Cohen was an uncredited director on a lot of times they say like, you know, like Barton Fink and a lot of like the older ones raising Arizona, it would say directed by Joel Cohen, but it was the Coen brothers together mm-hmm. writing and directing the film. So 
they've each gotten a chance to fly solo. And I think there's more of that coming, but also they're joining up together to do new movies together too. Right. So there's no wedge that's been put between yeah. the brothers. It's, it's just a little, they're experimenting a little bit, which you kind of, you have to respect because they're, they've been around in this business for a long time mm-hmm. doing amazing things, critically acclaimed works. Yeah. And now they want to uh, spread their wings a little bit and see what they can do. If they have some passion projects of, their own and i think that's really cool that's fantastic but cameron you're never leaving me we're never doing no we, solo, I, I mean so that's facts don't get too excited about them doing different projects we know the result of that for us it we would do. be bad so it would i'm be glad sad. that we can we can rest assured that we're we're good on that this is evidence if any if any time cameron decides to leave me in the dust because of my silly antics at the top of episodes just please be there for me which listeners. that could be the thing that drives the wedge between <laughs> us but we'll just leave it we'll leave it for now we're good for now we're good okay, for now that's good well shall we start i guess man this is uh yeah let's get into it <laughs> spoiler free review on drive away dolls and the oscar goes to best performance in this film easy answer it's always Margaret Qualley. Mm. Every time. Every time. Who is Margaret Qualley, you may ask, if you've not seen her before. You've seen her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe my favorite performance of hers, uh, as she is one of the Manson uh, children, right? Also, maybe one of your favorite movies of all time. It is. It's in my top four. I my glasses here. I know that when we reviewed it on this podcast, you gave it really high marks. I almost fell out of my chair. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I have to say it's a fantastic movie, so it's not a bad choice at all. Yeah. Yeah. I I've watched it so many times. I don't rewatch a lot of movies because I I just want to bank all of the movies. Classics. Gotta catch them all. That's right. Pokemon. It's like Pokemon. It is. So Margaret Qualley, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, the nice guys, which is on cam's top four. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, you may have seen the series Made, the limited series on Netflix, uh, or even Io, a movie, a space movie with Anthony Mackie, which is also worth checking out. Margaret Qualley, uh, character actress, fantastic actress, just all around, fully rounded character, does not hold any punches, uh, commits to anything that's thrown in front of her on the script. I cannot say enough about her. I, I really loved how she dove into, as you see from the trailer, uh, the crazy accent that she has. <laughs> it doesn't let up. There's no uh, there's no gimmick to her accent. It's just who this character is. And seeing that and seeing her come alive with with this and, and making it f- a full person, which I was worried about, that was exciting for me. And she nailed it. Yeah, I love that you said she doesn't pull any punches because when I think of Margaret Qualley... Um, I think fearless mm-hmm. because I, I just have been so impressed how from the very beginning of her career, when she started to pop up in things, it was never the same thing. Nope. It was never the same type of role. And a lot of times you don't have control over that. A lot of times you're pigeonholed into certain areas based on how Hollywood views you and how casting views you and things like that. But she's so dynamic that she's able to carve out all these different roles. And in this, like to your point, she's got this thick Texas, accent going on and all these antics you know she's she's a really hilarious character and you go back through the list of everything on her resume and it's so unique from all of that and yet each one of them has their own uniqueness to it Mm -hmm. um she's a real a gem and i think somebody who's gonna have just a a lot of success in this industry for a long time she's so talented she'll be due for an oscar very soon. oh yes yeah she's definitely on that list of like rising stars. Mm-hmm. So Cam, good pick. Who's, who's your title winner here? Yeah, I have to go with her co-star um, who is uh, the character's name is Marion and is played by Geraldine Viswanathan, which speaking of up and coming rising star type actors, um, 
Geraldine is on this list as well. She's very young. She's I've, I hadn't seen her in anything yet. She has a, she has a pretty good list of credits going a few like un, underappreciated things. And um, I know she, she was just recently in a, fi- a film that just released on Hulu called Cat Person. Yes, she was. That I need to check out. Um, so I'm excited for her because I thought she was great in this movie. I think her character is uh, really one of a kind. She's kind of like a, a very, she's like a stiff, you know, she doesn't, she, she's very set in her own ways and doesn't want to spread her wings and do, like wants things for herself, but isn't willing to advocate for herself. And um, is just really like very relatable. Like you, you've, you've yeah. know, you know, somebody like that in your life, or maybe you're that person where you're like very set in your own ways. And you, and uh, this whole movie in a way um, focuses so much on her character's journey through like finding herself uh, and, and uh, with it being like a buddy road trip type movie, it just really um, lends itself to that kind of character arc. And I thought she was such a good actor. I thought her, um, so Margaret Qualley's character is the like, over the top, hilarious, like outwardly funny. And she's playing kind of like the straight man. And so she has to kind of like deadpan deliver some of her lines. And it was always pitch perfect. She always understood the purpose of why it was there. She always gave the delivery with pinpoint accuracy to deliver the exact right reaction. They had such a good rapport, her and Margaret Qualley as co-stars in this movie. Um, So I'm really impressed. I know she's going to be, she just recently um, replaced Io, um, Io Adebri, in um, Thunderbolts, the yes. new Marvel movie that's coming out um, next year. And I guess Io had scheduling conflicts because she's like a super mega star now. She's like she's the, so awesome. The 90th person with scheduling <laughs> problems with this film's shooting status. Yeah, and so I wasn't super familiar with Geraldine Viswanathan, but now I'm, uh, I'm very excited for more roles of hers because I thought she was great. I have to tell you, I have seen Cat Person, her other recent oh, good, yeah. premiere. I've watched the whole thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, con, what's the word? Uh, confront you. Oh, you're gonna confront me. <laughs> I'm gonna confront you right now, Cam. I'm scared. <laughs> um, I know a lot of times we think a lot uh, similar to good performances and stuff, but I gotta say, I did not like her performance in Driveway Dolls. Oh, interesting. But I loved her in this other film called Cat Person. Okay. So I don't maybe know. I'll hate her in that movie. We'll maybe. see. Maybe that would be really interesting. <laughs> I would. I'm. I'm ready for that. We'll update you later on this, guys. Yeah. Next up, let's chat about the scene stealer. This is a tricky one because first mm. of all, I can't pick the counterpart of the main two leads that you've already heard their names to, Margaret and Geraldine. So this one's tricky because there, as any Coen Brothers film, and in this particular case, Coen Brother film, there's a lot of random pop-up characters. So mm. I think this really plays to the true meaning of this title category of scene stealer because they're going to have a brief moment of our time and then they're gone forever. <laughs> and that really works with Coen Brother films. So I'm going to say my winner goes to Mr. Bill Camp. Mm. Bill Camp plays the owner of the uh, of the of the driveway shop, if you will. And we get just the right amount of him. Uh, I think if we got any more time with him, I would be mad about it uh, because he is such this caricature of a person and he is wildly uh, co- comedic. He's like a Commedia dell'arte uh, character. So someone like like a clown, if, if you will, uh, to to foil the, the other characters that we have, to compare them with, with the other characters. I love seeing him in this. He is like this incredible TV and movie hopper. I was trying to think like, I know his name. I know his face. What is the role that I know him from? 
I can't think of one. Like, yeah. I have to go through and be like, yep, 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 of his 100 plus credits on imdb.com. So I love everything that he does. He had me laughing the hardest in this film when he appeared on uh, to the moment he began and started his his role. I really, really love that, that this was in this. I feel like if you were trying to describe a Coen Brothers film, film to someone he would be the definition that character is such a good definition of their entire mantra and way of storytelling and he nailed it yeah i love that he gets a spot on the poster this yes. time Did you notice that because <laughs> uh, because he is he's kind of like that super character actor um who is is just one of these unheralded people who's in so many things that you know those people who you watch something you're like i know him him from somewhere <laughs> right. I know her from somewhere and you go through the IMDB and you've seen them in a thousand things yes. but just like small roles right <laughs> um, so I love that it was like and Bill Camp on the poster I was like yes Bill Camp <laughs> let's rock that's that's awesome great pick I'm glad uh, you got to give him some flowers because I feel like it's very well deserved um, for oh, now you've left me with a tough one because I was between two people and I was assuming you were going to pick one of them Oh, and now I'm I'm struggling but I'm going to go... Before you reveal, did you base that off of... Because we sat next to each other in the yeah. film. Did you think like, oh man, he's loving that person? No, no. I just thought that there was a particularly obvious choice in oh, this movie. I'm curious. Um, but I'm not going to pick the obvious choice. Oh! Because, and, but we can still talk about <laughs> it. We can talk about it. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it after. I'm actually going to pick, uh, speaking of like coen brother movies lots of different characters some people don't get a ton of screen time pedro pascal Ah, pedro pascal um who i think is just an unbelievably underrated comedic actor um if you've seen the unbearable weight of massive talent um even even like in game of thrones which was sort of his breakout role his character is very like pompous and you can get a good laugh out of him in a very pretty much serious show. Mm-hmm. Um, he really does have that skill set within him. And he's such a multi-tooled, multifaceted actor, which is why he's getting as many great roles as he's getting right now. I mean, he totally deserves it, but he has a scene in this movie that revolves solely around his character and the comedy per capita that he's able to drive in <laughs> and drive home. in that scene is so funny. And th- the majority of it is his physical acting. It's, mm-hmm. it's very little dialogue and it's all him, uh, just being a hilarious person and being this classic, like Coen brothers. Um, they do a lot of paranoid characters and his character is kind of paranoid mm-hmm. plays it perfectly. There's, there's some really hilarious antics around him and in that scene with his other scene partners too. But I think it's because he set the tone and understood the direction. And I feel like tone is actually an area where this movie struggles a bit. There's times where like they don't strike the right tone. They don't go silly enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pedro Pascal, when he gets his time to shine, is silly enough, and it's it's really awesome, very funny, and and uh, that particular scene that I'm talking about is right at the outset of the movie, and just sets a sets up. A, I mean, it's like when you have a good opening act before a good comedian, like yeah, it just gets people it's ready to laugh. Almost like when you open a podcast with a silly <laughs> phrase nope. or a song, <laughs> no, <Nope>. or car <laughs> noises, perhaps. I can I see what you're trying to do, and I have to put my foot down. No. <laughs> Incredible! I love that. That's a that's a beautiful choice. Uh, what was the uh, obvious choice? Beanie. 
I thought Beanie, Beanie. Feld, Beanie Feldstein. Uh, yeah. Do you disagree? No, I think that's a fantastic choice. Um, she, I mean, Beanie, I'm going to talk about her because I think she deserves nope, it. Nope, your time is up. Uh. <laughs> Beanie Feldstein, uh, who, for those of you who don't know, is siblings t- uh, to Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. They, they are siblings. And has that exact same knack for, for slapstick comedy that you may think is, like, easy. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. There are very few people who do it well, and the people who do it well are highly sought after in this industry because slapstick still hits with everybody. And she gives an all-time slapstick <laughs> comedic performance in this movie with a completely unhinged character who, like, speaking of scene stealer, you just, like, you can't help but just love every time she pops up on screen because you know that hilarity is about to ensue. So shout out Beanie. I, I, I had to give it to Pedro because I felt like, that was one that just really touched me and I, I really wanted to talk about it because I thought it was so um, key yes. and I thought people, it's not something people would single out. So I wanted to talk about it, but Beanie, I mean, we are not worthy. You're, you're yeah. so funny. Beanie Felton. She is like a wrecking ball in the best way possible in these scenes. She comes <laughs> yes. crashing into them and you're like, you're just holding on to, to see what she does. And it's, it's really wonderful. Yes. It's a wonderful thing. Let's go on to some showstopper stuff. Yeah. Cam, I had a hard time deciding what this would be, mm. but I think it all has to tie back to Pedro Pascal's performance. Yeah, um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it really is. It really does set up the movie in such a perfect way. Um, in the trailer, you'll see there's a mysterious briefcase that the the two leads come across. Uh, Pedro Pascal at one point does also have this briefcase and seeing his paranoia, him popping out from a, uh, the areas that he's running around in. I don't want to say it, what it is, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but where he, the environment that he's in, where he's, where he's running to, where he's running from, who he's running from, who he's running towards, all of this involved is so well done. It just caught my attention, and I was like, yes, I'm in it. Let's go do this the rest of the movie, and we'll talk about if the Cohen brother did that or not. Yeah, I love that you picked that because I should have just gone with Beanie, and then it would have been nice and uh, smooth. <laughs> but So sorry, steal your thunder, but you're so right. I think the tone in that particular moment is pitch perfect. And whether or not that continues, I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yep. Um, for my showstopper, obviously we've been talking a lot about comedy. This is a this is a comedic movie, very very much comedy forward. I think he, I guess you would call it a dark comedy in the same way that I think it's more of a pure comedy than a lot of their movies mm-hmm. are. When um, I think of a dark comedy, I don't know why, but the one that always comes to mind is uh, Be Kind Rewind. Okay, <laughs> have you seen that film? Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I think of Fargo. Yeah. Like Fargo is a disturbing movie, mm-hmm. but there are some really like hilarious bits and moments in it. And that's there also are. a Coen brothers movie. So like, yeah, like for this one, I, I just think of it as like very comedy forward and not necessarily dark, Yeah, but it's twisted and weird mm-hmm. in the way that they always sort of are. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about comedy. My, uh, showstopper is comedic framing, Ooh. comedic framing in the cinematography and using the camera as a comedic tool. I think a lot of directors when they direct comedies don't think about this. And I'm always, uh, it's, it's always like gobsmacking that uh, I don't even know if that's the right thing. To that's say. the right word, but it's like flabbergasting that they don't think to do that because the camera can be such a powerful comedic tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of like this movie had a lot of, 
framing that you would kind of see in a Wes Anderson movie too. They, yes. they have that similar kind of style where just the way that characters are placed in relation to each other or the way that objects are placed in frame is comedic in nature because uh, when a director has a clear vision of what kind of comedy they're going for, the framing uh, kind of sorts itself out if you if you have a clarity of vision, which I thought they did for, for what they were trying to do. And so the framing at times elevates the comedy mm-hmm. beyond it because I think this movie actually has a lot of cheap laughs, like a lot of laughs that aren't the most thoughtful or innovative jokes, Yes, but they're able to elevate them by having the camera in a position that it's funny. Like there's a part, which is also in the trailer where um, a characters get a flat tire mm-hmm. and they're both screaming, which is funny, but it's like a cheap joke, you know, like something happens and characters scream, but the framing is like underneath them and cocked. And so they look like they're like, it's, it's very like cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And there's a few times throughout the movie where that's very clear. And I think it's very smart or, or there's sometimes like a quick pan of the camera over to something funny. These are things that the Coen brothers have become masters of over the years. And I have to now imagine that Ethan Coen is behind a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really well done. It was, it really was. And now we move on to the dreaded, not for us, <laughs> for them director's shoes all those directors they come and they watch and they go oh no they do we mail this out to, like usps yeah. to scorsese <laughs> all of them spielberg do better Vin, uh, denis <laughs> chris nolan christopher nolan got our notes on oppenheimer i mean it's it's crazy they they write some pretty uh, strong letters back they do but here we go um, I've got about three things to go on. I'll, I'll do them briefly. Um, you had mentioned that there's a lot of cheap humor. A lot of that boils down to uh, what, what's also called blue. Uh, they went blue humor, which is a lot of crude humor in the in the language, like vulgar humor, which I don't think is is bad. But if you're doing it only for shock value to yeah. see, oh man, people don't talk like this, but I'm going to make this person talk like this, then it's inauthentic, and then the joke doesn't land. Um, so a lot of a lot of crudeness that goes over the line that missteps the character bypasses the the the, the landing of the joke. Honestly, um, there's a lot of it's a very extremely graphic nude film. Yes. For no reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, no clue. This is the danger that we have now that we're that we're entering the world of seeing films before uh, they've been released. Because a lot of times we're seeing from critics like, oh, what's what's going on with the content there? Like mm-hmm. we can kind of have a pre-screening. Oh my gosh, it was everywhere. Uh, it was everywhere. And again, I think unnecessary uh, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing was uh, the stylization between um, Margaret Qualley and, and Geraldine. I feel like they were in such different worlds that it was hard to really follow each of their stories. Like they mm. are, they are driving this movie the whole time. Like literally drive away, get it. Nice. And <laughs> they just thought of that. And they give us everything we need to see uh, all of the perspective of what's happening to them and what's happening to them personally. You know, we go to movies to, to be taught a lesson basically like what lesson can we learn? Do we side with Margaret Qualley? Are we learning what she's learning? Are we learning what, uh, what Geraldine's learning? Are we learning what Bill camp is <laughs> learning? Like, who is the person we're connecting with and what is it changing in us? Uh, that's the reason we keep coming to to this storytelling venue, right? And it works, except if the characters are in different movies, per se, mm. uh, because of their stylization. I feel like there's a there was a big director's flaw with having them be different characters, but living by the same rules of the same world on different journeys, but 
uh, in just really, really on different planets was my, was my problem. It mm. felt like, and those are my director's shoes. I'll get my stamp now, and I will mail that directly to <laughs> Mr. Ethan Cohen. Mr. Ethan Cohen. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you on. I think that a lot of it was just trying to be. People feel uncomfortable when you use a lot of crude humor or like overly comedic, um, overly sexualized scenes. Mm -hmm. And so people laugh because they're uncomfortable. And I think that a lot of directors mistake that for like a genuine hearty laugh. Right. And, and it's, and it's often not. And I, I do think like there has to be a, a good plot reason. I'm sure you can make somewhat of a case um, as I'm thinking about it with some of the characters and how they live their life, but it is a lot. It's the, it's a huge focal point of the movie mm -hmm. to, and, and uh, I don't think it has the same effect that they think that it does. And I think that only a specific type of patron or, or viewer will find it as funny as the filmmakers themselves right. find it. Um, so the film's written with Ethan Cohen working with Trisha Cook, who is, this is her first time uh, being a credited writer on a feature length film, but has worked with the Cohen brothers for a long time. So it's interesting. You start to see where, you know, you, you compare this to like tragedy of Macbeth, for example. <laughs> I mean, couldn't be any more different films, obviously, but you start to see where the influences and the balances between the Cohen brothers uh, lie. Yes. And uh, what happens when they get sort of unfettered control over something, you get what you get. And we'll talk about in scores, whether or not that was a good thing, but it, it is certainly an interesting observation mm -hmm. at, at the very least. Uh, my director's shoes is pretty simply that there are some really empty characters in this movie. Characters that are either one dimensional or what I would call no dimensional. Ooh. <laughs> Meaning they have elaborate. Uh, so for example, Coleman Domingo's character in yeah. this movie is a pointless character um, every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, if you view that as a spoiler, I apologize. I, I don't think it is. I'm not going to tell you what he is and you're welcome to disagree. But in my view, his character is uh, a nothing character. It's meaningless. And there are others um, that fall into this bucket yeah. as well. Um, there are other items or objects or plot, device, plot devices mm -hmm. that are also nothing or no dimensional. And as much as I love Margaret Qualley, and I, I agree with much of your um, you know, acclaim for her performance and much of your praise for her performance because she did a lot of really good things in this movie, the way her character is written is one-dimensional. Yes. Her character... Um, in my opinion, doesn't have much of an arc and is just kind of what you see is what you get the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, almost like a Charlie Chaplin type character. You know, just something that's like a very like, we do one thing and it's funny and that's all we do. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's kind of how her character is. So I think that really hurts it um, because I think this style of comedy and I, again, I hate to keep comparing to the other Coen Brothers movies. That's not my intent, but... It's, it's not necessarily comparing to other Coen Brothers movies, but the way that this movie is structured is such that it's supposed to work that you keep getting smaller pieces of the puzzle and they're on a uh, collision course. Mm -hmm. And so uh, think about, like, you ever watch Seinfeld? Yes. Seinfeld, four main characters. Every, almost every episode of that show follows a formula in which each of them has a seemingly innocuous thing happening in their life, a relationship that they're in, something changing at their apartment, whatever. And you think, 
that's stupid. It's nothing, whatever. <laughs> By the end of the episode, it's hilarious because all four of those things are colliding It's for maximum hilarity. And that's how, um, for the longest time, Coen Brothers movies have worked. Think Raising Arizona, Burn After Reading. Um, I mean, plenty of them. Hail Caesar, even though I didn't really like that movie that much. That's mm-hmm. how they're structured so that the comedy actually works. But what happens when you have so many nothing characters that when those worlds collide or, or don't right. you don't feel anything. And that's what you're left with here, mm-hmm. which is that there's all these characters who you just don't care about because you've not been given a reason to care about them. And so their subplot or their contribution to the overall goal doesn't elevate the hilarity of the whole thing to deliver a great comedic payoff and instead just leaves the whole movie kind of flat. So I think that's really where I'm at. Um, I, I think of Burn After Reading as a really good example of where that's done well. Yes. Also Raising Arizona. Also, um, I'm blanking, but there's there's just a, there's a lot of examples in their portfolio specifically. Um, Barton Fink is a good one, though that one's not the most outwardly hilarious of their movies. Um And that was sorely missed here. So one-dimensional and no-dimensional characters really hurt this film. And it's it's one of my only big complaints about the movie, but it's a big complaint. It's a big one. It's a big one. And here is your stamp, Cameron. Thank you. I'll mail that right right off. Thank you. You'll be getting those letters uh, expedited to you before (laughs) the release of these films. So you can really let that sink in. Um, Fantastic. Now it's time for final thoughts and scores. Um, was the movie funny? Yes. Was the movie boring and disassociative sometimes? Yes. Um, did I, uh, do I agree with the Margaret Qualley statement you just made? Yes, I do. I very much do. Um, there, there wasn't enough, um, forethought with this whole thing. It's just, it was almost as if (laughs) every scene was like, okay, what do we, what can we get the most out of this scene that's written versus hold on? Here's the whole story. Here's this scene. Let's make it connect. And the disconnect for the characters to the main plot, to where they start, to where they end, it does not go together, unfortunately. So my score not very high. I apologize. It was decent, but not wonderful. It's a 5.9 out of 10 kernels today. Yeah, I am slightly higher on this movie. I think in general, um, but in general, I think we're in a similar frame of mind on this. I, th- I think for me, I love Ethan Cohen and his mind and the way that he uh, builds a comedy uh, along with his brother, Joel Cohen and, and along with Trisha Cook, their longtime producer who contributed as a writer to this film, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier. I think this one felt a little bit too much. I have to say that at the forefront because I'm going to be not as nice now. Uh, <laughs> this one felt a little bit too much like, let me just get my buddies together and make the movie I want to make. Mm-hmm. That's funny to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, to your point, it is it is funny. There's a lot of laughs in here, and not all of them are cheap. Well, some of them are really funny, well-earned laughs, but a lot of them are like, anybody would laugh at that, kind of cheap, whatever. And so it's not the most, like, it's not going to stick with you. It doesn't have any staying power. It has decent rewatchability, but it really doesn't, it doesn't have that enduring, iconic thing that makes a movie great. Mm-hmm. And so this is not a great movie. This movie doesn't deliver in the way that um, 
we're used to from these guys. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm not holding that in regard like, oh, this isn't as good a Coen Brothers movie, so it gets less score. Um, no, it's it's really more about just this whole thing as a as a sum of its parts, it doesn't fully deliver. So I'm giving it a 6.4 6. 4 out mm-hmm, of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't hate it, laughed a bunch, but it just, from a story perspective, is where it really falls short because the characters can't help to get to that great comedic payoff that you are yearning for because you get so many good laughs in the early going and then a few here and there and you want this big hilarious something that that rewards you for paying attention to all these different characters and you don't get it so yeah i felt like you know i always take into account the experience of our viewing too like was i tired that day was i uh excited to go see this yes because it was a pre-screen um the popcorn was delicious very good the shout out high point theater in st louis very good it was so good the they don't have regular soda they have excel soda which is like a totally different animal and it was so good as well so i felt literally wined and dined before this movie (laughs) you're feeling good (laughs) and i wasn't um, I didn't have the full satisfaction that, that I had hoped for for this film, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's always hard. There's so many things that feed into how you're feeling going into a movie. And I felt similarly where I had, I, I think I did truthfully have really high expectations for it. And so I was bummed. Maybe my score is lower because of that. I hope not. I've, I've tried to, I mean, we've been sitting on this for a few days now. We yeah. saw it on, when was that? Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, it's now Sunday. So it's been a long time. We got to sit and think about it, get rid of that nasty recency bias and things like that. But um, yeah, disappointing, disappointing. I uh, was much more excited than I am now, and I don't know truthfully that I will think about this movie anytime soon. No, that's it. And until this episode drops, which it will drop on the day that this gets uh, released uh, on February 23rd, ladies and gents. You well, can we'll see be releasing then. this on February 21st. Oh, yeah. strike my last few words. Can that's you just right. bleep that out? That's fantastic. So hopefully you're watching it on February 21st so you can hear some spoiler-free thoughts before you go check it out and form your own opinion. Oh my goodness. Which we always recommend. This is, all, this is so exciting, guys. I can't tell you enough. We're so thankful to be in this new position uh, to do this and to continue to do what we love the best is to chat about these movies, how they change our lives, how they make us feel. And sometimes they make us feel great. Sometimes they make us feel horrible about ourselves that we wish we could do better in this world, right? Uh, Those are the movies I like to watch. Yeah, goodness gracious. That sounds heavy. I feel bad now. Oh, yes. Uh, If you ever want to question how you feel about yourself in this world, you can turn on a little movie called The Florida Project. Mm. That'll tell you about uh, where you stand in the world and how you're helping it or how wonderful your TV setup is and (laughs) in comparison to the lives of others. There you go. (laughs) So That's what you want. We want you to to like, subscribe to everything we have out there on YouTube, on X, on TikTok, on what else? Facebook, on... Join our Discord server where you can talk to us in real time with other uh, fantastic movie and TV fans who are constantly sharing recommendations, reacting. This week we had a lot of chatter about... Argyle, uh, which came out last week. We had some chatter about all of the big Disney news that was happening around their shareholder call with Moana 2. Yes. And, uh, you know, Star Wars movies coming out in 2026 and things like that. So it's it's a great place to be. We'd love to have you. If you're a movie lover, it's the place for you. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun there. Oh, man, it's going to be so much fun. And I have... Uh recently developed a a new passion for photoshop so be on the lookout for some pretty surprising things coming your way 
That's all I'll say. We will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you so much to our title sponsor, St. Louis Area Smoothie Kings in the St. Louis area and Belleville and Granite City. And thank you so much to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, for making all of this happen and the band Rhetoric for our incredible music. We will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.